Hi, and welcome to the Pink Sheep Tales podcast. Pink Sheep Tales? What's this all about, I hear you ask? Well, the name is based on the old saying, Black Sheep of the Family, and Tales, T-A-L-E-S, is a play on words because we'll be hearing people's life stories. So through this podcast, I'm so excited to be able to share these remarkable stories from inspirational children and adults with you. These everyday people are building amazing businesses, excelling in their careers, exceptional in their industries, choosing unique career paths, and all in the name of living their best life. My goal is to encourage listeners to follow their passions and be inspired by our pink sheep who have and are doing just that. So let's do it. Let's open the gate and hear this week's pink sheep tale. So you were one of the last to be trained as a nurse in the hospitals, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. One of my best friends, she's doing a nursing degree Mm -hmm. at the moment. She just started this year. And um, she sends me pictures of the (laughs) classrooms, so pretend hospital rooms. I'm like, oh, look at your little patients. Are they alive? What's happening there? But she loves it. So she loves all the um, prac classes. Yeah, yeah. Because they have the robots now. I was thinking about going back into nursing a couple of years ago just before this under the lino thing kicked off i had actually gone to the university queensland university of technology and they said i would have to do my whole nursing degree again from scratch because i've been out for more than 20 years and i'm like oh god i would hate to do it from scratch and i went and looked through the nursing unit and they had like you know, the crash test dummies, you know, the dummies, but mm. they're all uh, the technologically like real people. So they breathe in their heart. Like, so, so they simulate these things in this room, the, in the bed with the patient, and they'll make the patient have a heart attack and you have to bring them back to life. And they have the computer in the other room. They're all watching you from behind this glass window that you can't see them. And... I think it was much better in the old days when it, <laughs> I would have been mortified to have had people watching me do that for real. Um, but it's a wonderful way of learning because you actually get to see if people can do this stuff, mm. you know. But I, I might have flown under the radar in the old days. I'd, I never had to do, do CPR on a, a patient the whole time I was a nurse. Really? No. But uh, it was my biggest fear. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, my friend, her track exam the other day was video recorded. Yes. Yeah. And so, then shown to others. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yes. It's terrifying. So there's an outer layer there. If people yeah. are a little bit camera shot, absolutely, they might be a great nurse. But, but mm. it's all. I'm sure they've got many, many students, and they have many, many things to do. And yeah, you know, it's just an advancement. And, that's right, and mm. it's just one little part of the assessment. That's right. Um, but I guess it's teaching people. You know, even the shy ones, when you're a nurse, you have to step out of that because you have to learn to be assertive uh, and get the attention of other people when the things aren't going right. So. Mm. And this is off topic as well, but um, Joe was telling me that it, there's a very, very big uh, push at the moment to have students, once they're out in the workforce, advocating for patients, mm. which um, what we've uh, just gone through with my father was a really um big eye-opener for me that there are a lot of uh health practitioners who are 
with the book and it's very hard to go off topic it's mm. very hard to think outside the box mm. so um which caused a few problems i know everyone's trying to do their best uh so it, i'm a very vocal person yeah. and kind of if things aren't making sense i'm happy to talk about Ask it which, questions, yeah. yeah which actually benefited uh, my dad and mm. our family so it's great to hear that that's actually a massive topic mm. that they are seeing a big discrepancy from mm. Um, the older generation yep. of nursing who were no, that we go A B C that's book. yes mm-hmm. yep no we don't step out to the younger ones mm. once they're in the workforce be having that confidence to mm. speak up if they think no I don't know if this is right or I'm not understanding why are we doing this mm-hmm. even just to say that and if they're wrong they're wrong but at least they've they've asked the question that's right they know for another well, time we were taught not to ask questions christine oh. you 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 know the 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 doctors the surgeons the charge nurses whatever came from them you just followed orders you didn't ask questions oh. and the people who asked questions often didn't last very long um and so you know we were, we were taught poorly and i think this generation coming through now um they are questioning all the time and people don't like it. Mm. But, you know, thank goodness that they are. My kids do. Why do I have to do that? Mummy, why do I not put my elbows on the table while I'm eating? Mm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Well, that's just what my parents taught me. It's rude. Well, why is it rude? What is it saying? Uh Yes, that's a very good question. <laughs> and, and it makes you, it challenges these things that you have done all your life, having no idea why, and then you actually discover that the reason you don't put your elbows on the table and the reason you have to eat in a certain way is to prove to the social class that you are eating with that you are a step above them or that you are their equal. If you put your elbows on the table then it means you're in a lower class, you haven't been taught etiquette and you are doing the wrong thing by your family. And it's, it's such a simple, it's such a stupid thing mm. because at your own dinner table, there's no class. You are your family, right? Mm. Irritating things like eating with your mouth open, that, that's more of an irritant than anything else. But, you know, if you don't have an answer to a question, then you have to question why it is you're doing that thing. That's yeah, exactly. Mm. And I love like when I interview uh, the young kids for the pink sheet tail. Oh, yeah. So it's so great, and I like to hear that they're they're questioning because that's how that's how progress is made. Mm. And if they stop asking questions, or they're they're told, oh no, don't you just do whatever people who are older than you tell <laughs> you to? Mm. Oh, well, that's a bit. You're kind of cutting off their creativity as well. Oh, absolutely. As a parent, though, Christine, you know, until your children are of a certain age, that is the way, that is the relationship you have Mm. with them. You tell them, you know, you do this and this is what you do, but you don't have to say why in the early days. (laughs) But then (laughs) when they start asking why, you need to have a good answer. Mm. Otherwise, you need to rethink what you're doing. That's right. Oh, good side topic. (laughs) <laughs> good side talk but yeah i'm i'm so happy to hear that that's what's going on mm. in the nursing community at the moment yeah, and my little too. friend she's very um she so she had been in childcare for 
many years mm. and she's just very much that nurturing really yeah. loving person she should be doing it then, yeah, yeah and i could tell she would just do it anyway it mm. was kind mm. of like a well aren't we isn't that just what we're gonna do anyway so anyway side topic awesome awesome um <laughs> but i've made a note as well uh your mum. so with nursing mm. so i know that your mum does these beautiful drawings mm. of babies for um are they still born yeah stillborn babies yeah yeah, and that's another thing that's changed about the nursing thing as well. But, yeah, mum mum was a midwife. She's retired now. But she used – and she's an artist as well. She used to work in the special care nursery and with the little tiny babies and the sick babies. And she would do these little sketches on night duty of the babies while they were sleeping. And they, you know, might have tubes in intensive care all over them. And the mum and dad would only be allowed to put – their hands through like the holes in the humidity crib they you know with gloves on they might not even be able to touch their baby's skin and so you know it was a difficult time for parents and mum used to do these little portraits of the baby without any tubes and so on um and she would leave them on night duty just next to the crib and she'd go home at six seven in the morning and they never knew who the nurse was who was leaving these little pictures and um she got found out (laughs) And the social work department, often the babies would die, uh, mm-hmm. that she would have done the pic, and no one had taken any pictures of the baby um, without any tubes. And so the social work department asked her if she would start to do portraits of the stillborn babies. It was just an idea and a whim uh, that they had. And so she started to go down to the morgue and spend time in the morgue doing these portraits. And giving the parents uh, a beautiful remembrance of their child and something they could put up on a wall. Yeah. Because back in those days, the baby was taken away from the the mother and the father very quickly and they didn't get time with them. Today, they're allowed to nurse their baby. They can keep their baby with them for a day or two um, at least and... You know, they take photographs. They've got photographers take these beautiful pictures with the baby even after they've passed to share with family members and so on. So um, it's certainly changed uh, in the last, you know, 100 years, I suppose. Does your mum still do the... Yeah, she does. She does. She works for uh, an organisation called SANS, which is the Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Society. Uh, and they are an Australia-wide, uh, worldwide organisation. So, yeah. And they offer many services for... Yeah, counselling yeah. and, um, and support and remembrance services to keep their babies' names spoken about and so on. I do work for them as well as a counsellor sometimes with my journaling classes. Oh, that's so, so great. Yeah, it's oh, cool. And I remember when you first told me that your mum... Uh, mm. does that oh, that's so lovely like that mm. that's a very big um a huge gift that she's given yes. to parents and it would also be quite an emotional experience for her as well I'd imagine so yeah I think it, it probably was a lot more in the early days and now she's she's used to it it sounds terrible each one is emotional for her um and the relationship she has with the parents while she's doing the work for them but because a lot of it's done online 
um, like they might email her pictures of their baby oh, and she'll do the portrait and she'll post it to them. So she doesn't often meet oh. the babies or the, or the parents anymore so she can keep um, a bit of emotional distance mm. from them. Oh, mm. oh that's good. And technology. I know, again. Reaching out again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but for the good, like that's Yeah, exactly. Great. Oh, thank you for sharing that because it's a really lovely story and it kind of ties in how... Um, you've had that nursing influence with yep. your mum as you're growing up. Definitely. So, oh, yeah. Great. I was saying as well, I love a good love story. <laughs> I love hearing how people met and, oh, how the how Cupid struck you. And So, your husband, David, mm-hmm. would you like to tell us uh, your little story of meeting? Oh, gosh, the David meeting story. He'd be mortified because... <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, David and I met at a mutual friend's 21st and I was working at Lifeline and she was one of my students. I was training her how to become a counsellor and she was turning 21 and I was 24. I was like, should I go to this party or not? You know, it's probably not good if I go to a student party and, oh, it's okay. And I wasn't seeing anyone at the time and I was... I had my eye on, on a chap that I knew was going to be at the party and uh, it was a cross-dress party. So we had to go, the girls went as boys and the boys went as girls and I turned up to this party and the boy I was interested in, as I arrived at the party, he was coming down the stairs with his girlfriend. Oh. So I was like, oh, that's crap, didn't know that, <laughs> didn't know had a girlfriend. Uh, so I sort of walked into the party going, oh, well, there, there goes that, you know, I wasn't heartbroken. It was just unfortunate. Mm. And um, I'm in my suit and I'm standing there nursing a drink and looking around me at a room full of men dressed up as women. <laughs> and they looked better as women than they did as men. And the girl whose party it was had a brother who was gay and a lot of these friends were gay men um, and they did it so well that you could tell that they were not a straight man when you started, like, winking at them. You're like, okay, he looks too good. I don't think he's... No. And so you could tell the availability in the room based on how good they looked. Mm -hmm. Then I saw David literally across a crowded room. He was wearing the ugliest dress I've ever seen. (laughs) He'd borrowed it from his friend's mum, a polka dot number, and he had uh, engineer boots on. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the room had high heels on. And he was wearing his engineering boots and he had, you know, a tuft of chest hair kind of poking out the top of the dress. (laughs) And I've just, and he saw me at the same time. And it was literally like a spark went across the room. And... I said to the girl standing next to me, who is that guy? And she said, he's with me. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, that's terrible because I think he was the one. And um, it turns out that they had actually broken up a couple of days earlier and she was, you know, um, she was there. It was his birthday as well. It turned out that um, she was there to have one last go and it didn't happen and um and we uh we pursued the spark oh, and yay. uh the happy days so we've been <clears throat> married 20 years this year and we've been together 25 um so for our 20th anniversary we're going to have a cross-dress party oh how brilliant <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Oh, and will he try heels this time? Oh, my God, no, but I'm sure he'll wear a really <laughs> ugly dress. He's already got his eye on the on the number. Oh, he's picked... Oh, how good of him. He's already thinking about oh, his outfit. Absolutely. Oh, so. that's so great. And you have such a history in this house as well. Mm. So you were married just behind yeah, your yeah, house? Yeah, we, we bought the house. Uh, we'd only, we'd been together a couple of years, but uh, we bought the house in our early days and it was a real doer-upper and we renovated it. Um, and the end of the renovation, which we did 100% ourselves, um we decided to get married in the little chapel behind the house on the grounds of the old bishop's born in Milton. And we had the reception at the house to have a housewarming party and a, a wedding reception all in one. So, yeah, this house has a lot of a lot of feeling and emotion that goes on in this mm. house. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Mm. And now the kids are growing up in it. Absolutely. And, yeah, so hopefully they'll hang around after they're like 18 oh you think yeah. you yeah. think hopefully yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think there's no doubt actually oh good life is far too good for them these kids today <laughs> we you know but we have decided that if the kids decide they want to stay here they have to manage their own lives they have to do their own washing they have to help cook they have to be an active part of their household and not just someone who comes home and dumps their washing in front of me and walks out again mm. not not having it not doing it. No. Well, last time I was here, or did I see on Facebook? I think it was on Facebook. The kids um, cooked you dinner <laughs> a few weeks ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They, well, they uh, because of this book, um, I was so embroiled in the book and I'd had a conversation with the kids and David last year to say, look, I'm knuckling down for the next six months to write this book. I will be as present as I possibly can be, but I really need your help. And I taught the kids how to make a couple of dinners, um, how to make their own breakfasts, including scrambled eggs. And, you know, both of them know how to cook full meals now from scratch. They know how to make salads. They know how to do all sorts of things. They know how to read recipe books and turn it into a real thing. And they're only 10 and 11. And they were forced to out of necessity. So, um, so yeah, we, we already have a... A good sort of thing going yeah mm. oh that's good and so speaking of will and kitty mm. so 10 and 11 yeah i yeah. so i met them when they were well like four five and five and, yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> tiny tiny yeah. um and they're you're all going on a big adventure next year mm. which I, we were talking about just before the interview as well which mm. i think is so exciting and more children and families should do this. So would you like to tell us about your big sailing adventure? Big sail. Yeah, well, well, it, it came about, David and I uh, did a sailing trip about 15 years ago um, from England to America and we were on a boat for two years and, and we, you know, lived a, a very exciting, adventurous life, uh, lifestyle and um, we stopped when I fell pregnant with Will and we have always said that we want to introduce it to the children as well. I have a theory that as an adult, if you know another language, you should teach your children that other language. So if you know how to sew, you should teach your children how to sew. The language of, of a skill. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad's a sailor and he never taught us how to sail. 
but it's in our blood somehow. So um, we know how to sail, we know how to manage the sea, and we would like to give our children a skill mm-hmm. that we have, and it's kind of our responsibility, really. So we're taking out a couple of years to take the kids on a sailing trip from Germany back to Australia. Um, and, yeah, that's that's that they're going to be taken out of school. We're going to homeschool them on the boat. And they're young enough that they can bounce back mm-hmm. into high school when they get back easily, I think. Um, not I, <laughs> I probably have the... Uh, intellectual capacity for teaching 10, 11, 12-year-olds, but anything after that, you know, <laughs> this is our time uh, to do this sort of trip. Yeah, mm. I think it's fantastic. Mm. And and like you said, they are at that age where I think it's going to be more beneficial mm-hmm. for them to see the world, meet other people, mm-hmm. have this great time with yourselves because they're coming into the teenage years mm-hmm. where they're going to friends that's right figuring out their own little personalities and how they're going to interact in the world it Mm. they're going to gravitate up maybe a little bit away so it's a great time for this bonding for your family as well but also Mm. growth for them to i would have loved to be taken out of school and traveled (laughs) australia or my mum did a huge traveling uh, went around Australia with her girlfriend when my brother and sister were tiny tiny um so I don't think they remember much of the trip but just my mum and her girlfriend going Mm -hmm. around I thought that's such a great adventure people need to do it kids who are taken out of school to do uh six month trips around Australia or in a car or like a, a van or something and um it's not always great though because kids often feel as if they're missing out on something you know they my daughter's just made some wonderful friends at her school and she'll feel she'll feel the pull away but again technology helps us out we've got social media the kids can stay in touch with each other they can facetime Mm. you know all that stuff we did as kids with writing letters to each other they can do that again only they can do it immediately online they can write they can type they can Part of their assignments will be to write letters uh, for, for me. I'll make them do that. And so that'll help their writing skills. And uh, I think it'll be, you know, again, technology wins yeah. the day. Mm. And it, I can see maybe another book oh. coming out of this trip. <laughs> oh, How about you? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think if I take the time to write while I'm – but I don't want to do a – a boring this is what we did and this is what it was like and you know i think uh interesting people you meet along the way possibly i mean that it would be great to write about other people uh because there's always interesting people in the sailing world um but i I wouldn't i'm still toying on how to how to write that story because there have been many stories written about sailing adventures we'll see maybe an historical look at sailing Uh, through my family um, because we go back years in the boating industry on my dad's side so Mm. maybe an historical sort of travel through time um, would be would be fun did your parents meet in England no they met in the south of France oh had your dad sailed there yeah he was working on he was a like a marine engineer um, so he worked on the big super yachts in their engine rooms so he made sure that you know the billionaire million oh, actually they didn't have billionaires back then the millionaires who owned these boats were well well catered for in the engine area 
So, yeah, Dad used to wear like a proper uniform, like a white white jacket with everything on it um, and a proper hat. Cap, yeah. Uh, cap, yeah. And he met my mum in the south of France while she was nursing there. Oh. Very romantic. Mm. That's that's another book in my head, The, the Midwife and the Mariner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh how cute. Yeah. Um, well, I can't wait to follow all your adventures from that trip. And so that's before you were just mentioning um, your purchasing the boat yes so you're you're purchasing one in germany in germany that's yeah, what's yeah. going on yeah. ah. and we're going we're actually the last time we we sailed from the uk we spent a year in the med uh looking at the Ita- italian islands and italy and uh spain and portugal and so on but this time we're going to buy the boat in the north of germany and we're going to sail around denmark and sweden and norway and all the scandinavian countries um, before we we come down south, so we'll have twenty three hours a day of sunlight, and uh, look at some of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, yeah. Have you got any any uh, sailing previous sailing stories? I'm actually I've got a little bit of a fear of the water, <laughs> um, and I was watching um, some shows the other day, and it was this you know huge seas like yep. 10 meter high waves yep. and things like that and i'm just like oh i don't know how i would cope with that but have you got any yeah we, we have i mean we, we've caught in a couple of pretty hairy situations usually if you're a good sailor a savvy sailor doesn't leave the harbor when it's like that so you put off your trip and as long as it takes to get calm calm seas and good winds not high winds um, but we were travelling from Gibraltar down to the Canary Islands. It's a, a, about a three or four day sail out in the open sea. And the weather window was perfect. Uh, the seas were great. It was all, the winds were good. But there'd been a cyclone off uh, the coast of Ireland, um, which was up there. But what it did was the tail of the cyclone whipped down the coast of Africa and made these really big seas and the wind was unrelenting for sort of two of the three days that we were sailing and we were we were not expecting it and it was just the two of us and the the, the waves started catching up with us so we were surfing literally the boat was surfing down these waves that surfers would have loved but when you're in a yacht the fear is that it will pitch pole or roll Pitch pole is when it goes nose into the into the bottom of the wave and the back of the boat flips over the top of each of itself, so it, it rolls that way. Uh-huh. Um, and rolling is when you go sideways down a wave and the, the wave goes over the boat when it's sideways and rolls it that way. Uh-huh. So we were being caught up by the waves, so they were breaking over the back of the boat. They were We were going slower than the waves were. And we... Uh, we had an incident where a wave washed over the back and David was thrown uh, from one side of the boat to the other and he landed on the autopilot and turned it on, um, which means he didn't have control of the wheel. So when he got back up to, to turn the boat around to surf down the wave, the wheel was stuck because it was in autopilot and um, we were side on to the waves that were coming then. And so we got knocked down. It was absolutely the most terrifying thing we've ever been through. So the boat went down on its side 
But by then, David had realised what had happened. He turned the autopilot off and uh, we, the waves sort of washed over us. We didn't roll. Um, and then the boat righted itself and he was able to turn it round and correct it and continue on in that path. But we had to steer, we had to hand steer that boat through those conditions for nearly two days. We didn't sleep. We were getting five minutes sleep at a time. It was, it, we Ooh. thought that was it. We, we said goodbye to each other. Okay. We, we were pretty sure that was the end of our, our time together. And oh, just, really? yeah, it was awful. Wow. But just as we thought that was it, dolphins appeared at the front of the boat and they were surfing alongside us. And we were like, um, Kaylee, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. It oh was, my it, gosh. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, and the boat was a mess. We couldn't go down below. We were both tethered on, so we wouldn't have gone anywhere, but we'd lost half the equipment, safety equipment that had gone off the back of the boat. Um, we were more tight. We were seeing pink butterflies by that point. Um, but the dolphins pretty much led us into calm waters. And, um, yeah, we arrived where we were supposed to be and I pretty much lay on the floor in the fetal position for about four hours before I would do anything um, when we got there. I was so, just so happy to be alive. <laughs> and that's when we threw out the contraception. <laughs> that's when I said, I'm not waiting anymore. That was too close. We, we had decided to wait till we got back to Australia uh, and I said, no, no, we're not doing that. We're going to start trying for a family now because, you know, that, that we came out of that, we survived, and now I actually have to do what I really want to do, and that's to have a baby. So, mm. Oh, wow. Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing story. Like, literally, I keep getting these, these goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. And, and I hope that never happens again because my children, see, we're, we're sailing with the kids now, so we can mm. never be in that position. So we, we can't have those kinds of situations. No. So we uh, have to be very careful about when we choose to take the boat out. Exactly. Mm. So is that a, is that a sailing um, insight that you, if dolphins appear, you... Yeah, do, I, I think so. I think dolphins suggest that it's, like, okay, like that, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of dolphins coming out in the middle of a, a storm or a hurricane or anything like that. Dolphins will forever represent uh, salvation to me. Mm. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, that is that's an, an amazing story. Mm. Um, that's like one of my worst fears. Yeah, yeah. Um, and mine. Yeah, and Holy it took, it took a lot to get back sailing again after that. We had to take the boat out just for a day sail. A couple of days after we got to one of these islands in the Canaries. And I'm like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I just want to sit on the beach. And David's going, no, you have to. It's getting back in the saddle again and remembering that we actually love sailing and that it's not like that every time. Mm. And we took it out on a cracking day. It was beautiful and the waves were perfect and, you know, the wind was just right. Everything went well. So when we got back, it was like, okay, all right, now we got this. It's all good. And how old were you and David when this happened? Yeah, 35, 36. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, thank you for sharing that story. Mm. That's, a, that's like a movie. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is. Yeah. Just that segment, it was enough. Yeah. 
for a movie, getting getting through that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll get on to <laughs> Mr. Hollywood while I'm That's talking right. to Mr. Facebook. Yes, perfect. <laughs> How long after that did you arrive back in Australia? Oh, well, we pretty much fell pregnant a week later. Oh, wow. That was not supposed to happen. And uh, we were on our way back to Australia then. Um, but unfortunately, we would have had to have given birth in the middle of the Pacific somewhere given the timing of the trip. So we pulled up uh, in America and had the baby there in New York. Will was born in New York. And uh, then we lived there for a year and we, we flew back to Australia in 2008 and we shipped the boat back here. Oh. So we never finished the trip. We never did that Pacific crossing. We didn't go to the Galapagos Islands. We didn't hang out in the Polynesian, French Polynesian Islands or any of that cool stuff. So... We're going to do that with the kids. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Mm. So we got, yeah, the, the whole journey, the sailing journey was about two years. And this, the trip we do with the kids will be about 18 months. Ah. And um, was it an easy task to have the kids out of school for two years? I don't know yet. Oh, I'll okay. tell you. <laughs> no, I'm, we, we haven't told the schools. So, oh, yeah. oh, okay. That's okay. You just do distance education. Oh, good. Uh, it's a, there are ways and means of educating them. Um, and you're allowed to. There's no law that says you can't. Um, so. Oh, good. Good. It's all good. Excellent. I'm glad we don't have to worry about that. I don't have to talk to Mr. Education. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're sort of coming up to close to when we met. Yeah, that was a couple. Of, so we got back 2008 and then you and I met about five, four or five years later. So, yeah, what happened between then and then, that's that probably would be a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do another podcast with you. Like, well, you can do podcasts too abundant. another time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, there's always stories in this house. We, we seem to attract them. Yeah. Uh, we're very, um, I was going to say dynamic. That's not the dramatic. <laughs> that's the word. I, I seem to have drama follow me wherever I go. Adventure. Okay, adventure. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, yeah, we are adventure seekers, but not like abseiling and adrenaline junkie sort of adventure, but more life is really too short, you know, to just sit on a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And we've learned, I'm not doing anything now that I was doing when I left school. Are you? Are you doing now what you thought you'd do when you left <sighs> School? Oh, so no one is surprised that I do cleaning and organising. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the OCD part, maybe. But look where you've taken it. Yes, yes. So I never, th- podca- this podcasting, podcasting, I never thought Running about your it. own business and, you know, doing all of these wonderful things with tiny houses and, <laughs> and, and all of the other, like, cultural things that you do with, um, art and um, beautiful ways you dress and all of the retro oh, stuff that you're into. Okay. You didn't have that when you left school. Mm. And our kids don't have it either. Like, you know, they, they don't know what they want to do when they're older. And if we send them to uni and make them do this sort of thing, hoping that they will become an accountant, that that's not going to work mm. well for them. So Yeah. Yeah, and then, so when I do last week's, last week's interview was with (laughs) Alicia's little boy. Oh, Um, that's so, yes. Oh, it was so great. So that's what I love. Like, (laughs) I love it. Because 
you what you're nurturing is this entrepreneurship and this go-getter this mm-hmm. creativity mm-hmm. yeah this is what he's all about now mm-hmm. but it can change you can do okay. whatever you want you just keep that little yeah. energy that motivation that self-belief you keep that going and just that's it if and it morphs a hundred times in your yeah, life yeah. who cares it but doesn't matter happy, and but you, you do have to have the basics yeah you know the kids need to understand that you've got to you've got to work hard uh, for everything that you achieve and receive in your life um, and that there are going to be disappointments but most of that is an admin really if you can see all of the troubles in your life all the roadblocks and all of the potholes as just something to build a bridge over or, or you know look at it as a, an admin task um, then it, break it down into small tasks and then you can conquer most of those sort of problems yeah definitely so, mm. oh well, we might sign it off there. Mm. But thank you so much, Kaylee, for sharing all of that. And I, I know a lot of people know your public persona and you through the books. Yeah. So I'm hoping that people who don't know you personally mm. get a little insight into Kaylee as a as a as friend a, and on oh, a personal level and that sailing story. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, thank you so much, You're Kelly, welcome. I know it's you lovely have... to talk to you. Oh, you're, thank you. You're a good listener and it's 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 like just having a chat with a, a friend, obviously. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Kaylee. And congratulations again on the award this thank week. You. Um, thank you. I think I'll keep you on a high for a little while. I hope so because it was a, it's a good award. Um, it's kind of like the Queensland Logies uh, of history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So, no, it's, it's good and I need to use... The momentum of that to help me you know get out there and talk to more people about how to do their own family histories so yeah, yeah. so thank you so much Kaylee, okay, and we'll pleasure. meet again soon okay via the podcast but Terrific. personally as well okay thanks Kaylee. thank you for listening and I hope you really enjoyed this week's tale. Let me now invite you to pop over to our Facebook group called Pink Sheep Tales Podcast, and there you can stay up to date with all the exciting news from our pink sheep. You can also find myself at OCD, Organising, Cleaning and Decluttering Specialists on Facebook or on my website, ocdpro.com.au. Well, I'll catch you back here next week. Until then, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.